0: as real estate investors, building the right audience of investors, mentors, partners, and others, and speaking to them and communicating in the right way is so critically important. And so today we've got Tom Morkas, a marketing expert who's going to be diving deep in how we can build that audience through networking and referrals, how we can communicate them in the right way, in a more personal way that actually builds those connections we're going for and ends up leading to the trust and credibility that leads to more sales, more investments, and frankly, being able to hit our mission of really serving our end clients in the way that we are really shooting out for. So you're not going to want to miss any of this. It's one of my favorite episodes. And so let's dive right into it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited. I've got Tom Morcas in the studio today. How you doing, Tom? good. It's good to be here. Well, it's really good to have you because, you know, as you guys may or may not know, Tom has built and helped over a hundred plus brands and businesses grow their traffic leads and sales using his launch to profit methodology. He's an incredible marketer way back when he, when he left the military, he set on a, a year long trip that really forced him to focus and start building his chops in the online sales business. You know, fast forward to now, he's helping tons and tons of people grow their online leads and sales, and I'm really excited because he's one of the people that I looked up to while I was launching the Investor Mindset Summit last year. It was one of the first summits, one of the very few summits in real estate before we dealt with this COVID nineteen, which has put everything online. And so I'm definitely excited to uh, dive into some of those strategies that helped me grow and learn a little bit myself as well. So you ready to dive into the thing, Tom? Let's do it, Stephen. All right. So why don't we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Probably the most notable or obvious would be my military background. I
1: mean, before then, it's just like the typical, I guess, Midwestern life. But after that, it was, you know, West Point, five years, commissioned officer. My last unit, I was a company commander. So like... And the thing is, I'm only now that I look at it, got out of the military active duty in 2013. So it's not even that far removed per se. It's still a substantial part of my life. So I just kind of rolled that experience into what I did in the world of like entrepreneurship, publishing, and some of the other stuff I'm doing today.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I can imagine how that military experience definitely shapes you from a leadership perspective, understand, hey, how do you do the things you don't necessarily want to do, but you've got to do anyways? Yeah.
1: And I feel like that's what a lot of entrepreneurship is. It like seems really glamorous on the outside, but the reality is you just got it. There's just a lot of things you don't maybe don't like to do, but you have to do them. But if you do them, and I mean, and I'm sure we'll get into that today. It's like the results, they will, they will come, you know, it's, it's about consistency, discipline, and just kind of putting one foot in front of the other.
0: Yeah, that's so huge. And what we're going to be talking about today is really talking about building an audience. You know, when we're real estate investors and we're going down this path of understanding how we can reach as many investors, how many people that are either going to A, invest with us or B, provide some kind of partnership or C, maybe be able to provide deals or something along the way, that credibility and having people know, like, and eventually trust you is really, really strong within The importance level of building a business like we're building. So, what I'd love to talk a little bit about is getting in front of the right people and how to go out and build an audience. It's something that you've done very effectively. I know you help a lot of your clients who are writing books and launching books go out and get in front of those right audiences. So, when somebody's doing this for the first time, or maybe they've got an established business and they've been doing this for a while, but they want to take it to the next level, where should they start? Where should they begin to go out and find that right audience and start? to develop
1: it? Anytime I sit down with a client, I would say like the same thing. We usually, there's like lots of ways we can, I'll zoom out to where people expect me to go. Maybe it's like, how do we get like massive amounts of traffic, right? And things like that. But like, before you get there, the simplest thing, especially if we're talking like real estate investing, multifamily properties, if we're talking things where it's like, there's a fewer amount of people, we're not talking necessarily something as, you know, something like apparel or something like that you know, the distinction here is there's fewer people we need to get in front of. And so even if it's a lot of people or uh, just a handful, I still start with what's right in front of me. So who do you know? Who are you connected to? Who do you know who knows somebody? I mean, that's the best. I mean, literally, I'd say my entire business in, in one of the businesses that I started, we do like discount deals and entirely have grown that entirely from just referrals and referrals upon referrals. And so just like asking the right questions and asking the right people. And then they bring the audiences, of course, if you have the right people that can kind of bring other people your way. So I always just look to say, who already has an audience that I can just get in front of? Instead of building my own, could I just get in front of the audience that I want to get in front of? A lot of times that's pay to play, but it doesn't always have to be. There's lots of strategies to kind of be able to tap into somebody else's audience or get in front of or get exposure to the particular group of people you're looking to get in front of through things like partnerships, joint ventures, affiliate marketing. I know there's, there's some gray area there and stuff like that in real estate, but in terms of like just getting in front of the people you know you need to get in front of, whether it's a buyer or seller, so where do, first, who do you know in your immediate circles and then start to expand out. And then it's like who in the greater networks or groups that you're a part of professional circles, things like that. Like, again, kind of obvious. Expanding from there, if we, we expand out beyond that, then we're talking like digital marketing type stuff. Again, this is very, I think, very simple. It's a matter of like, how much money do you want to spend really? And and what game do you want to play? So you can play the paid advertising game, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I think verdict's out on a lot of that stuff because I think it's gotten exorbitantly expensive and there's so many strange restrictions and the the game's always changing on you. So I don't really. I'm not a huge fan. I don't know if I mean, I know it can work for some people. So I don't want to completely say no to it. But my process has always been a combination of email marketing or referral marketing. Because people still open emails and people still treat their email, even if they do get a lot of spam, they still treat it kind of intimately. And so email is still I think the strongest thing there is out there. Plus, it's less expensive than say direct mail and direct response. But I can measure it just the same, maybe even better in some ways.
0: Yeah, and I think email is one of those things that we often overlook how powerful it is. And that's where it all starts. So if we're gonna go out and we wanna be building these relationships and essentially doing networking to get referrals, we wanna make sure that we have a way of capturing this information. We need to capture that contact info, that email address, so we can have a way to interact and exchange, right? And so that's the only way that that you can do that is is via email. And you're very, very good at this. And so I definitely wanna take a step back in just a second and talk a little bit about the networking, getting, figuring out who that right audience is and what the impact of that is. But when we're looking at email, what are some of those things that we can do when we're communicating in someone's inbox that'll end up leading it to being more effective because you're very good at this?
1: I, you know, I think I've just started to realize how good I am. And I know that sounds weird to say out loud, but it's been one of those things where I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. But man, recently with the stuff we've been doing, and the kind of the experiments we've been running across like a host of niches and industries. Here's what works. And some of the stuff is kind of timeless. And it's like, I'm kind of a lot of what I find that we're doing is kind of going back to kind of like basic direct response principles, you know, and using that as a foundation. Using the new medium though, say of email, it is different than your typical, you know, newsletter. And of course it depends on the audience too. So we'll tailor the way we're using, say direct response style to the audience. So if I'm talking to people who are younger and they're on Instagram, but I'm still gonna use the foundational principles to get them to click through, to get them to take action on what I want them to take action with. So here's what I'd recommend. Here's what still works with email an email copy. One is conversational tone. Don't be corporate. No, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I just, I don't know. You can maybe figure it out. But I would say like anytime I work with a company who's been primarily corporate and then we just change up like the style where it's like, oh, it's a real human being on the other end sharing his or her opinion, you know, and this, this kind of advice. And it feels like it's somebody talking to me. The engagement increases the amount of responses back just to say thanks or great message or whatever. We, we also tie a lot of storytelling into what we do. So I'm always trying to tell a story or, or an extract maybe an idea from it when I'm doing this so that no matter what email I'm sending, even if it's direct response style, even if I'm asking for a sale or a call or whatever it is, I would always have a call to action every single one of these things. I know we're all over the place right now, but we'll bring it back and we'll organize it for people. I'd bring it back to so that. At a minimum, you know, you can't not like getting that email. So number one is just put yourself in the position of that person. Like, so if we know who these people are, it's if they're, you know, say it's like a, somebody who owns an apartment building in, in some location, that's who you're trying to get as a client. We'll just say, That person, maybe to a degree, is going to be interested in what's selling around there, what could increase the property value around there. And like, yeah, you can always send like a generic thing or a generic email, or you could like copy and paste. There's lots of swipe copy and stuff like that out there. But I'd say anything that you could do where it's a conversational tone and it's directed at things that that would be specific to them or helpful to them, before we even get into like mass personalization, but just stuff like, here's what's selling, here's what the market is doing. can't be as simple as just sharing resources they may already have, but give your spin on it. Give your take on it. Give your, you know, I think a lot of people just shy away from this from the get-go. So then all of a sudden email becomes more of a chore. It's like a, this kind of corporate tea thing, headache. But if you treat it like it's like personal communication and you write that way, you write in a way that's kind of like expressing who you are a little bit. You know, you don't have to go over the top with the stuff. It's not about being corny, but it's about just like, presenting who you are so that there is really another human being on the, on the end of that. And then making sure there is a call to action in these emails. Hey, reply back if you have any questions about this. Hey, can we hop on a call if you have something like direct that you want to talk about? Too often, I think people get into the trap of either not doing this stuff or two, when they do it, they do a kind of corporate stuff. So they're like, oh, well, I will do a newsletter once a month or once a week or something like that. It's like, it doesn't matter when you do it, but there's no such thing as too many emails if it's good stuff and it's useful number one. So don't be scared of that. The second thing is don't feel like it has to be some sort of like list or structure to it where it's like, I'm going to show you my the top blog article and here's this other thing. Like just talk about the problems this person might have or these people probably have or challenge, the challenges they're dealing with. Share a little bit of your personal story when it's appropriate. Tie in the stories of other clients and their success stories. People are always so interested in success stories and and how people go about that. And so again, I almost think almost every market is the same that way. And I can extract stories that have learning lessons that people want to learn about, they relate to. If you're personable, you will get responses to these emails without a doubt.
0: Yeah. The power of story is something that people really under underestimate that if you can think and be open enough to share something that's relevant with other people, that it can really go a long way. So for a lot of our investors, for, for a lot of our listeners, they're people who are looking to communicate with capital investors, people who are going to invest in their their company, or maybe people who are going to partner with them on different projects. But what's interesting is a lot of people get caught up in this feeling of, I need to sound really, really professional. I need To sound really smart. And sometimes I've noticed some of these emails, I talk to the person in real life, that's not how they talk. And so, what you're saying, Tom, and I think it's so strong, is that when you can bring it back, When you can combine that I'm an expert and I know exactly what I'm talking about with this is me as a real person, individual, not some corporate finance executive trying to talk down to you, but I'm talking with you at the same level that you'll end up getting a much stronger connection and probably lead towards the end goal that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. It's like the ROI on this stuff. It's interesting because if you're doing direct response, you are looking for like direct action back to things and stuff like that. But so I treat that like when it comes to newsletters and email writing is like, there's always an element of what I'm measuring. Though it doesn't mean I need to make sales every single day per se, but there could be also, this is the other thing is expanding out a story over time. And so, so when you start to write, you might be sharing things like, okay, I'm going to share a little bit of a short story. There's going to be some lessons, but this is too much to get into one email. So I'm going to string this out over a sequence of emails and then get to like some, some heavier calls to actions. It's strange, but it works. Like It's the kind of stuff that if you, if you can tie this in with what you're doing, if you can give it a go, there's lots of ways to do it. My, my particular approach is like educational storytelling. Because it's like, without a doubt, people will always get something from that. Or even if they already know it, it's like, oh, still an interesting story or worst case, it was like it attempted to be good. And so then any kind of call to action henceforth is like no big deal. Plus there's lots of things you can layer in here too. You can do things like social proof, like when you talk about your clients or talk about the success you've had with somebody or somebody that you were working with. This all just adds layers to this. So that's the other thing to keep in mind when it comes to email, especially an email list and audience. People talk about nurturing and nurturing a list and things like that. The big thing is just, you know, if you just treat them with the respect that you would have, like if you were on that list too. And it's like, so if you're always delivering quote unquote value, I mean, there is something to be said for that. If there is something and value though, it doesn't have to be over the top every time value can be found in the little things like the the short story that you share, the lesson extracted and making it fun to engage in and read and be a part of. And if you're consistent with that, without a doubt, you'll get responses, you'll get replies. And then it's not going to be something that people throw away or just delete or ignore. They'll actually pay attention to what you're writing.
0: Yeah. And so, for all the listeners out there, just so you can put this into perspective. If you can build a list of a hundred investors who are going to invest 50 to $75,000 a year, that can end up leading to quite a significant growth in your business. It doesn't take that many, but if you can build that personal connection with people at scale, using some of these techniques that Tom's talking about, you can make a real big difference in your bottom line. And frankly, you can reach and connect with more people. You don't have to reach thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people like you might if you're Selling an apparel line like you're talking about, it can be really, really direct. And so, when somebody's going to go down this path and they want to start figuring out, hey, how can I build the list? How can I attract people onto the list? And therefore, so that I can start interacting with them, how should they be thinking about this in a way that that'll bring people into their world and get them to start interacting?
1: This is real interesting because this is a, a, something I don't think a lot of people talk about, but I feel like it's really important. It's like, So there's kind of like, I guess you could say there's like, not exactly levels, but there's phases people go through. And I know there's like in copywriting, there's some things that people like hook onto, but the principle is this, whatever you're selling or whatever it is you're you're trying to get somebody to buy and and we're all selling something, you know, whatever it might be, there's going to be that point where they're interested and they do want to buy. And a lot of copy, a lot of what you create can be built around that. But then what we need to say is, okay, how are people finding this and engaging with this? How do they come here in the first place? And so it's kind of a lot of people conflate the two things. But really, the, the way you get the traffic and the sequence with which they engage with, say, your content or your brand, what you're putting out there, and that leads into, say, calls to actions to invest or to buy something. These will all kind of factor into the play, in, into play here, and so I might have a product that will be, say, good for everybody because almost everything we do is good for everybody, right? Or if we maybe we're being more, you know, more honest, we'll say, well, for high net worth individuals, this is this is good, you know. But if we want to get more granular, and of course we could, because that might be true, but it's hard to market to that broad audience. So what I like to do is I like to think about lead generation, like niche lead generation. So, okay. So I pick a niche and that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to think about what is the thing that they're interested in? What would they opt into? And what would be the appropriate bridge or segue into then what I'm selling, right? in like a different space, I'll give you an example. Like I have this program that can help people get affiliates. So I've done a lot of affiliate program management, managed like hundreds, thousands of affiliates at this point. We've done millions in sales through affiliates for digital products, things like that, right? So I have a program that kind of teaches that, how you can recruit affiliates. Lots and lots of online businesses could benefit from an affiliate program. And what I found was that generally speaking, marketing to that group is not that effective. But when I zoomed in and said, okay, how about, writers, authors who would like to get their books shared by people and get reviews and then get referrals that way. That became a killer app for that. So it was like this, this product that could, that could work for everybody, but I'm zooming in on one really specific niche. So if we're looking at investors, I'd, I'd break it down that way and say, okay, I, there's lots of investors that might meet my criteria that, that I want to get into this. Is it dependent on a physical location? What are the other criteria that I need to consider that would make them good or bad fits. And then we can start seeing if there's any practical categorization, like, oh, it has to be in a physical or a specific location. That matters, right? Then we can start putting in artificial constraints. And this is where people have a lot of hard time with this. It's like, why would I constrain myself to just the writer, author market for this product over here? It's because then I can speak to them Exactly. I can use the words they use. I can speak to them the way they're, they're, they're speaking. But I can still lead them back to the same solution that might be good for everybody else. So in this case, if we know you're talking about men versus women, or you're talking to people who own businesses previously or do own a business right now, or whatever, I would think about the specific categorization and it may seem arbitrary a little bit, but we just want to think about something that would unite them as a group that means that they would have certain desires and ambitions and certain kind of collective uh, individual ones, but collective in the context of everybody in that group kind of shares them. So desires and ambitions and fears and insecurities, because then that's all it is. That's all lead generation is. It's knowing, okay, I know that group. Okay. There's this is the group. It's middle aged men with businesses who are kind of struggling right now and want more freedom and security. And, you know, maybe there's some other things, and they have to be in Southeast USA. Okay. Well, then we can work with that. But knowing that they're going to have some desires and some ambitions and some fears and some insecurities about where they're at, you know, and so some of those could be universal. And that's why it's kind of, but you want to say, okay, how do I take things that are universal and focus them in just in this group of people? So I know they're going to be opening this email when I send it to them or this, they're going to, when they land on this page, they're going to opt in, download this product. So again, the more specific I can get with a group, the easier this is. So remember that there's a give and take on this. You don't want to go so narrow. There's nobody always better to go a little bit more narrow, at least on the front end to get people into any sort of funnel where you're selling or pitching anything. Does that make sense? I know that's a lot of
0: top. Yeah. (laughs) It makes complete sense. It's absolutely a wonderful description about how to get super clear on who it is that you're targeting. And by getting clear on those people, what it sounds like is that rather than just casting the biggest net, you're going to cast a very small net and catch all of the potential fish rather than just trying to catch all these different types. You're going specific to that specific type of investor. And in return, you're going to speak to them a lot more clearly.
1: Yeah. And, and from a, a lead generation standpoint, marketing, gener- marketing standpoint, I would definitely say let's go with that same analogy. Yeah. I'd like to find the pond where I know the fish are and then I'll put this, the dynamite in the pond and then we're good to go. You know what I mean? Versus like, I'm going to go sail for days into, into the, the deep sea and be fishing that way. Listen, there's lots of ways to catch fish, you know, but it depends kind of what you're after. So in that regard, that's kind of, would be more my principle. I'd say smaller pond, bigger impact there's a net effect and net positive effect to being the biggest fish in the small pond as well. I know you've covered this actually in your podcast. I've listened to it. And so I can say without a, without a doubt, that's also true. It's these like secondary and third order benefits from being that big fish in a small pond. I remember I wrote an article about it for for a company that did that. And it was like, by just by carving out like 97% of the market saying no to, but just focusing in on their 3%, which was still like a billion dollar market cap, you know, they were able to really benefit from that. Because what happens is once you get like a kind of a, it's kind of a tipping point in that space, depending on how big the market is, where kind of the majority people, by the time the majority know about you, then you win, right? But even once you get a small fraction, like a small percentage of people in that group, in that audience, in that niche, that are interested in what you're talking about, again, you have this incredible leverage that you wouldn't if you went more broad. And that's, again, a lot of people have trouble because they're just throwing out generic stuff or they're going way too broad with stuff. They never benefit from the traffic they're receiving because it's really hard to think about where if somebody's coming into this general content I'm putting out there or this, I have a wide net. How do I then funnel them into whatever I'm doing? If it's too wide, then I don't know the right words and the right phrases and the right things to say in the right sequence. But if I narrow it down and I know their aspirations, I know what they're scared of and things like that, I know what they want. Then all of a sudden I can tailor that and be way more effective with everything else that I produce.
0: Yeah, that's, that's huge. And so once you succeed in one of those smaller ponds, and you've, you've essentially fished that pond, you can just go and start adding another pond onto it. But by being able to get very, very specific, you're able to target on everything that's there. Some people do that. And then they realize, wow, it's this is an almost limitless pond over here that I didn't even know about. And they
1: just stick with it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that way. So like, yeah, don't ever be afraid of going. And again, that's really on like, again, there's kind of two pieces of this. You might have a product or might have an offer that would be good for a vast array of people, but for your, for marketing purposes to get a real result, you want to zoom in and say, let's again, and maybe it starts with best guess. If you've been in, and this is, that's the thing. This is where it gets a little tricky. It's how do I know then that's the right niche. You really don't until you can test it out in many ways. So a lot of times it just comes down to gut instinct. Well, a couple things. One is the obvious stuff that you already know. Like you probably already have a hunch on this stuff. And then from that, if you have any experience in the space, you might have a gut instinct of who are your best investors. And then from there, that's where we start. It's okay. What, or what's the kind of resource that would be helpful for them? What's the thing that would help them accomplish their goals? That's what we're talking about on lead gen. So now how do we get that in front of people online? Cause that's the best way to do it. It's cheapest, fastest. You can't meet people in real life anymore. It seems like in many cases. So it's like, okay, then we start finding the channels where they're at, what groups they are part of online, what what LinkedIn groups, what Facebook groups, and what can we do to get whatever we have in front of them. So it could be groups and then other people's newsletters. And there's lots of opportunities. Once you have something that you can put in front of somebody, all of a sudden then the doors will open to you and you'll be able to see all these audiences that maybe you didn't, we weren't able to see before because you didn't, you weren't thinking about that specific group of people. So really do zoom in on that. And then you can start saying, okay, now how do I get people to this, this lead magnet, to this offer, to this freebie, to this content of mine. And then you can start seeing, you'll find tons of stuff. A lot of people, people will take all these ideas and pile them all together, try to do everything like in a straight line. And then it becomes, it can become very difficult to manage.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. But it's once you've once you get so clear on who it is that you're going after and who it is that you're serving and by saying no to nearly everyone else, it makes it really easy for other people to refer you. It makes it really easy for you to be that person that other people think of once you're established in that space. So this is really, really powerful, whether you're talking about marketing, whether you're talking about marketing within your local community or whether you're talking about marketing to go and find investors or find deals. Any of those things are true, whether you're a fix and flipper or commercial multifamily investor, you know, buying two, 300, 400 unit apartment buildings. Once people know that you're the guy or gal that's going to go and do these things, it becomes easier and easier because that credibility starts selling itself. And so these strategies Tom's talking about are, are, um, you know, really, really powerful. It's something that we personally do, right? So with the investor mindset, we're doing this every single day, but I love hearing. Just one more way that we can even get better. And so I hope you guys will apply some of this directly in your business as well.
1: And I'd say on that note, too, uh, just on a content marketing standpoint, anything you do that serves that kind of real, that niche market, too, it, there's lots of ways to repackage or repurpose that. So that's the other thing. It's the cumulative effect of just being a content producer. Or if that's one of your strategies, content, then that that ways to repack, repurpose for me, content, for that kind of stuff, again, I'm more of a direct response copywriter, or that's my take on it. I'm not traditionally in that space, but like I like the idea of it. And so I do like it when I'm just focused on, on the results that are being driven. So I only like to produce as much content as is necessary, which ends up being very little in a lot of ways. So like, don't be scared that this is, seems like a ton of work. Most of it is, is a targeting question. Who are the people? Where are they? How do I get in front? What's the thing? And then once you you put a few of these things together, you can repackage and repurpose these things very easily to play or test out different markets and to work in kind of different niches, different industries, depending on who you're targeting. Because it could be just a facelift, say, of that lead magnet or whatever. I don't need to go off into a tangent there, but just to give people some other kind of ideas there, not to be overwhelmed by this conversation either.
0: So just to kind of like underline that, what you're saying is you've got a lead magnet, you've got a piece of content and it's working, but you want to make it just a little bit better. And so you're kind of changing it, changing the title, changing the structure of it, maybe making it shorter or longer or a checklist or, or a, a video series. You're trying these different things and you're testing out because you don't necessarily know exactly what works. There is proven practices, you know, best practices, but what you're doing is you're going through this process of trying things, and then you're testing it and you're looking at the results. And based on those results, you're going to kind of double down. So closing out, this has been amazing, super powerful stuff. I hope all of you listeners go check out Tom. Where, Tom, can people check out more about you or uh, follow some of your work?
1: Yeah, just go to Tommorcus.com. tommorkes.com. That's T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S.com. And uh, you'll find my Launch Hacks ebook there. You can just go by my podcast if you're more of a listener. And I do have a lot of free resources and materials for people who want to kind of like improve their launches, sales funnels, a little bit on copywriting. Check it out, TomMorcus.com.
0: Highly recommend it. Great email list. Uh, You'll definitely learn some good strategies, being able to model masters at their craft on the email side. So Tom, thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to doing this again sometime. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. If you're an accredited investor and you're interested in learning more about our investment opportunities, the exact types of investments that I personally invest in, then head over to the slash invest, or send me an email at stephen at vonfinch.com. That's V-O-N-F-I-N-C-H.com. Thanks so much.